When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with my friend, Kira Davis. She's doing exactly what I always encourage conservatives to do, but so few actually do. I'm really excited to talk to her about why she just decided to run for the school board. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Courtney. Actually, as you know, I'm like, crazy busy like I almost missed our chat this morning because <laughs> but because as it turns out once you decide to get involved in civ- in civil service and civic service yeah. there's a lot of politics involved oh. I don't know if you knew that <laughs> I, I would not imagine that how, how strange there's politics involved in politics <laughs> wow well, why don't you start with telling everybody a little bit about your background and uh, what made you decide to take this plunge? Well, as you said before, I'm Kira Davis. I am the deputy managing editor at redstate.com, which is one of the largest conservative blogs in the country. Um, I've been a, a conservative blogger and uh, a political pundit for almost 12 years now. Um, I also am very active in educational reform and always has been. That's kind of been um, a pet cause of mine, particularly educational freedom. I, um, I have been busy reporting about what's going on across the nation, as I do every day. We have 30 plus writers over at Red State and they're covering all kinds of things and I'm reading their articles and um, but I'm also a parent. I have two children. My oldest son, um, unfortunately, was part of the graduating class of 2020. So his year was really, his senior year was really stolen from him. And that's when I think my heartache as a parent began and my frustration and that journey. And so that's when we all started covering more stories about what parents were saying and doing. And so we are, we're all familiar with the Loudoun County parents and- and what they've been inspiring. And I have a daughter who's a freshman in high school at well, both public school uh, students. And um, anyway, so I've been covering those things and wasn't even really paying attention to what was going on under my nose. Now I live in Southern California. I live in Orange County. Now, if you don't know anything about California, if you know one thing, you know, it's probably, it's crazy lefty, right? It's crazy blue. (laughs) But I live in the conservative part of the state. Actually, I think people would be surprised to know how much of the state is conservative. 
were just overwhelmed with um, these three big city centers that take the vote. But most of California, geographically speaking, is conservative. So I'm in a conservative area of Orange County and I kind of thought, oh, everything's fine. You know, <laughs> these people have my back. I, I elected these people. I show up at a meeting every now and then just to keep an eye on things, but it's fine. Come to find out it is not fine. These people were not doing their jobs and I was, I was being lazy. I was, I was paying attention to other people and not the people who were directly affecting my, my child. So once I started noticing that they were really hurtling towards just pushing the parents out of the process altogether, yeah. I got angry too, but unfortunately we, the school board filled all of their empty seats in this last election cycle with very few being up for re-election. And then last week, my representative cast a vote to keep our children masked in schools. And that is a vote that went directly against the will of my community. This I know because I'm a parent right. and I'm talking to other parents. And when she was, and she promptly resigned before we could get the recall started. Cause like the second she made that vote, we were like recall and she just resigned. And, and so, yeah, rather than face accountability and you know what, that's fine. Cause the second I saw that I said, I'm running no longer. Am I going to leave this to other people to do wow. because other people are doing a lot of work. Like there are moms in my neighborhood who have been working and been paying attention. So I'm kind of late to this party, but, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily have maybe the experience or the, the time. I mean, no one has the time, but you know, they don't to, to really make a push for this. So I thought that's one thing I can do, right? Yeah. I'm maybe not the person who's marching in the streets, but I am the person who's like, I'll stand up in front. I'll take the slings and arrows. I'll do the media. I'll, you know, take on all of what comes with this. I'm willing to do it. So I declared my candidacy to replace my representative on my school board here in Capo Unified School District in South Orange County. And it's been a whirlwind ever since. <laughs> I can imagine. So can you talk a little bit about that process? Because I think I think the idea of running just in general is very daunting to people. I think that it's part of why less people do it, except for the career politicians who are not the people we want to do it. And so, um, yeah, so maybe talk a little bit about the process and talk a little bit about the things that are uh, you're surprised by, like you're pleasantly and maybe not so pleasantly surprised by. I'm so glad you asked that question because I... I, I have learned so much, Courtney, in like the fi last five days that I've been, I mean, I literally just declared and I mean, I have a campaign website and I have everything, you know, because we're, we may go to a special election. So otherwise this will be a November ballot issue, but right now we're trying to decide if there's going to be a special. So until we know it's a little bit of a whirlwind and we'll know in about a week or so. Okay. So anyways, um, when I got in, I was shocked, like, sadly so to discover how complicated the process was and I thought to myself my goodness 
um, I've been doing politics my almost my entire adult life. Right. And I had people to reach out to, right? I know people in the state part, the state GOP party, you and I both are, you know, we have friends who are politicians here in California who are campaign managers, sure. um, spokespersons. So I was, I had people to reach out to, right? To say, I don't know how to file this paperwork, or I don't know how to find a treasurer or I don't and and they all every last person has helped me and and to figure it out but I was talking to my friend Roxanne Hogue who is running for um LA uh city council mm-hmm. and um just a, a minivan mom she likes to call herself she's a little more fabulous than that but <laughs> she likes to call herself the minivan mom and and she had run previously and so I was asking her about this and that and the other. She was like, see, Kira, this is why we need to be training people because it's hard to know what you're doing. You know, there is so much people just have no idea. You can't just step up and be like, I'm going to run. There's, there's complicated paperwork to fill out. You really need to have a treasurer because the campaign finances, even for your little seat in your small town, you know, that's a very serious process that could cost you personally if you don't file things right and correctly. Um, You have to know that there are people who are entrenched in your community and not everybody is happy to see you coming. You know, that that for for some people, this is the little piece of power that they have in their lives and they don't want to risk that. And so you will be treated like an enemy in your own community. What has surprised me pleasantly mm-hmm. is how many people are willing to help. How many people are like me? How many people are going, I don't care what we have to do. I don't care how uncomfortable it has to get. Enough is enough. And I'm here to help. So I've been overwhelmed with the support. Um, after I get off this podcast with you, I'm going to a ladies luncheon and I'm going to you know, meet some moms from around the community, moms who have moms groups that I'm asking for their endorsement, you know, to support me. But it's so weird, Courtney, because being a political <laughs> pundit, it's like, I'm already a, a public facing figure. Sure. But I'm battling this perception, right, of being a media figure. So I, I understand that some people are looking at me and going, that's the lady I see on Fox News every now and then or that's the lady I know, but I'm not running as that person. I'm running as a mom. Like I'm kind of just sick of this crap. You know, I'm sick of it. And if, if I don't step up, I don't know who will. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting you say that to me because I can't tell you how many people in the past two years I've talked to who have said, you know, that they're deeming the uh, parents as a domestic violent extremist, right? And they're like, I was not political at all until the past two years. I'm just a parent. Like, (laughs) I hear this all the time. Like, I'm just a parent. And what's going on with my kids is just absolutely insane. And, you know, I'm not a parent, but I can't imagine what that would be like. And I do think it's one of the silver linings of the past two years is that, you know, people, especially parents, started to see what was being uh, taught to their children, what types of policies were being, uh, you know, rammed down their kids' throats, and, you know, really just the indoctrination that they weren't aware of at all. 
yeah, uh, it's, it's, that's a big part for a lot of, uh, for a lot of parents. I, I, I would say a huge part for me. I already did know what was going on in schools because I do report on it a lot. However, yeah. I will say this, what I was not prepared for was to be treated like the enemy because I wanted to have a say in when my child went back to school and how my child went back to school. Mm -hmm. That's not what I was prepared for because all we hear all day long is lectures from unions and administrators go, we're all in this together and we're your kids partners. And, and we believe in, in, in sharing the, these responsibilities and, and, you know, the, the all in us together stuff, all in this together stuff. And we weren't when it was time, you know, when it was time for us to say, okay, um, thank you. You've done your part. Now, now we need to get back to school. Here's some numbers. Here's some science. Here's some data. Kids aren't super spreaders. They don't really need the masks. In fact, the masks are impeding their um, development yeah. and their socializing. Um, so we just want you guys to go back to school. Thank you so much for the sacrifice. Like teachers moving to Zoom school, that was huge. They they had to pick up a, a whole new skill in, in literally in days. So we get that. I appreciated that. But now it's time to get back in the classroom. And if you don't feel safe in the classroom, respectfully, I would ask that you would find another job, you know, and open that job up for somebody who doesn't feel threatened, you know, by a virus in the classroom. I was not expecting to be labeled a domestic terrorist because I want my school board to respond to me because I want my teachers unions to respond to me as a parent. These are people who suddenly were were saying that we didn't have a right to be concerned or we didn't have a right to say when they went back to school or how they went back to school. And it was infuriating it's still infuriating. I mean, if you knew this, the hoops I'm having to jump through just with the sitting board members, just to even get FaceTime, just to even say, I want to talk to you about how this process is going to move along. It would shock you. It's just, it's, it's been, it's infuriating. I can imagine. What are some of the things that, uh, this is a twofold question. So what are some of the things you really hope to achieve? You know, if you, if you get in, um, which hopefully you will, um, when? some of the big things you want to achieve and accomplish. And uh, also what, power does a school board have? Because I think that's another thing that people feel like, why bother? What power do I have, you know? So. Okay, I'm gonna give you a perfect example. So last night, mm -hmm. San Diego Unified School District, which is about 30 miles south of here or less, their boundaries probably start sooner than that. Um, their school board voted to institute a vaccine mandate for all children K through 12 starting January 1st, 2023. So this coming yeah. January. So even as the rest of the world ratchets down, right? Even as even the state of California is opening up, you know, yeah. his governor hair gel is allowing us some more freedoms uh, recently. <laughs> and <laughs> even as all that's happening, you have school board members who are voting like it's October of 2020. Wow. And that is because the parents don't have a voice on that board. It's not what San Diego parents want by all accounts. 
but they don't, right? The board is entrenched. So the board now has the power. These five or six people, I think it's seven, have the power to tell thousands, tens of thousands of San Diego parents what they have to put in their child's body. That's the power your school board has. That's a significant amount of power. It's not just, well, did we spend this money on this school or that money on that school? I have. You froze. Do you oh, see? You're back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where did I end? Um, you, you said it's not just a, you know, allocation of funds. That that's they right. I have problem with public school spending, but that's sure. not even the tip of the iceberg right now <laughs> but what but what I do have a problem with is the amount of power that our school boards have and I don't think we realized until the last two years how much of our the movements of our children they control so yeah your school board is extremely important sadly I was I was talking to my father-in-law the other night who is a great a good friend of mine and a great supporter and He's a pastor, so I always ask him for guidance and prayer. And I just was so um, emotional, you know, and I was like, I don't understand why it's this complicated. It's school, you know, like it's become a war zone and we don't want it to be a war zone. Yeah, of course. That's what it is, you know, and we got to go to battle. And I, so to answer the second part of your question, Courtney, what would I plan to do as a parent? I would plan to, to change the culture of the board so that it's not a constant war zone, right. so that we're not constantly at each other's throats, so that parents don't have to come to the meetings and feel like they have to yell at their representatives to be heard. You know, that's all. It's very simple. I don't think that's too much to ask. I'm not saying that I'm always going to agree with my board members or the other people in my community, but I am saying that I plan to make parents and students first, which is, which should be the default. Yeah, for sure. And absolutely should be the default. Um, and it should be uh, reflective of that community, right? You know, it, it, that's, a, that, that's the epitome of, of why we are having, why there is local politics is so that it representative of that particular district, school, so forth, so on, not whatever the, uh, you know, unions deem are uh, the agenda of the day. <laughs> so have you experienced uh, um, any roadblocks with them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's, here's the thing in my particular race. This all went down very shadily. Our representative really uh, chose an uh, a time to step down that wouldn't give us a lot of time to fill the seat again. Uh, so it was all timed to cause as mass chaos. Sure. Um, luckily, moms are used to dealing with mass chaos. You know, you wake <laughs> up with chaos and go in the morning and it's chaos all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's part of being a mom. So we've been activating since like the second that she resigned. But here's the thing, our school board, this coming um, week will decide, they have to have a meeting to decide on a meeting. <laughs> they will decide. If they want, 
<laughs> red tape. Yeah. Okay. They will decide if they want to decide to appoint someone to the position or to hold a special election. Okay. Otherwise, in any case, the seats on the November ballot, but before then we need some kind of representation. So they're either going to appoint. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but just for people who are not familiar, because so few people understand civics at all. Can you explain sure. what a special ele election is and what would entail, you know, a qualification for a special election? A special election is just exactly what it sounds like. It, it sounds like it's an election that's special. So mm -hmm. it's not in your regular election year. It's just if something happens, maybe the person in office dies or um, moves out of your district, uh, you have a constitutional right to be represented, right? No taxation with representation. So you have to have a, you have to fill that seat. In California, we love appointments. We don't like running special elections because that just puts the lefty candidate at risk. So they usually, if there's a seat open, somebody will just appoint them and then that person gets entrenched in there. But a special election is one that you call when there's been an emergency of some type and you need to like get someone in there right away. So we're going to decide if our school board is going to just appoint somebody mm -hmm. or if they're going to pay for a special election, which is very expensive and falls on the district. So there's, it, there's a lot of talk about whether or not we even wanted to do that. My opinion as a conservatarian is that, <laughs> yeah. is that this is not the board seat. This is the people's seat. And no matter the cost, the people should be allowed to pick who gets on the board. That being said, I don't, I don't think I'm in the majority on that one. I think most parents in my district just want the appointment. They don't want to spend a hundred grand uh, out of their own pocket, out of our own pockets on a special election. So I understand that too. Sure. So, so we're working strategies out around that. But um, anyway, in, in pursuit of this appointment, I've asked to meet with all of the school board members and uh, a few have, and a few have been openly hostile. And, um, you know, in fact, one of our school board members finally got back to me last night and she said, you know, I think your, your campaign for school board is a bit premature. And, um, I wrote back and I said, I vehemently disagree. You know, I don't think it's premature. My, my district is currently without representation on the school board right. and it's our constitutional right to be represented, right? No taxation without representation. So you can understand that parents are quite anxious to get this seat filled. And so whatever I can do to push the process along, you know, that's what, but it's not too early. I mean, it's not too early to start campaigning for anything, people. It's never too early. Never too early. <laughs> oh, so I, but they don't want, you know, I just, I find it offensive that I have to go through these people to see if they will appoint someone to my district when they're not even voters in my district. Oh, wow. They're just other, they're just other board members. They, they have their own districts, but now we're in a situation where they're going to get to decide through an appointment who represents my district. Wow. Or areas as we call them here, areas. Right. Um, yeah, it's offensive. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't really seem constitutional. It's not fair, absolutely. <laughs> it is not, but that is 
these are the things that I'm discovering, right? As I'm moving along, like, wow, there's a lot of, so some of these, um, the board is all women. And, you know, some of them have chosen to play politics with, I don't want to play politics, but I can, you know, I know how to do it. Um, and I don't mind using messaging and my, the tools available to me to my advantage. I think it would behoove my board to put me on the board just for the reason that our board needs some diversity. You know, I live in Orange County. We don't have a lot of diversity on the board. You know, that's a little bit embarrassing. So I think we should have some, but but also I I don't I don't want this to be political. And the parents I represent don't want this to be political. We just want to feel heard. We just want to be heard. And I just can't believe how hostile some people are when we're talking about our kids. Yeah, yeah. You And so is everybody on the board a parent? Is that, that typically? I think mostly, I, I, I don't know the situation, the family situation of everyone, but like some people have been on the board for quite a while. So they've had kids that went through, but you know, they're still serving. So, um, and yeah, and I would like to tell you, by the way, and everybody watching your show that yeah. you don't have to be a parent to be on the school board. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I get to, I've had this question a few times. Like I've even had parents ask me, well, if my kids in public school, can I vote? I mean, in private school, can I vote? Yes. If you live in your school district area, you're paying taxes for these schools. Absolutely. You can vote and absolutely. You can run for school board. You don't need to have a child in public school to be a part of what is going on in your public schools because public schools are just that public. They're for yeah. the public. So you're part of the public. So if, even if you don't have kids and maybe you were thinking about running for the school board to help, please do, don't let that stop you. Yeah, and I think people also should understand that what happens in the public school has such a ripple effect to what happens throughout the culture. So, you know, it's not just the kids who are attending that particular public school. There really is such a, you know, monumental impact that that has on our overall culture, politics, society. So, uh, you're 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 having impact on something other than just the kids in that particular school. So, I think that is important for people to understand. So, we've heard some of the uh, maybe deterrence for why somebody would enter. But what would you say to people who? I, in my personal feeling is that, you know, we don't necessarily have much uh, power when it comes to federal um, politics. We really don't. And, you know, to be fair, our constitution was designed that way. Checks and balances. You know, we don't have a monarchy. We don't have a dictator. You know, the president, as much as people get really excited about it, it's, it's one branch and it's actually supposed to be, you know, just a limited form of government. And he's not supposed to be the ruler. Um, and, you know, if you read a uh, Carol Quigley, they claim that, uh, you know, we haven't had actually, uh, you know, election integrity in a hundred years. So, you know, and, and the, in the past two years, they, we, we may see that he may have been right about that. Um, but, 
locally, we really do have, you know, potential to effectuate some sort of uh, change and to uh, see some sort of power and uh, for it to be reflective of the people. So I, you know, I think people should get involved locally in whatever they possibly can. Uh, so this is my long-winded way of saying to you, what would you say to encourage people? How would they, uh, you know, go about getting involved? What kinds of things uh, should they look to, to decide if they are somebody who should even embark on this process? I, I, you are you are absolutely somebody who should embark on this process like <laughs> I don't even need any like yes if you pay taxes and you live in your community and you have any inkling of of running for office I say do it don't don't be deterred by the complications just start looking for people who can advise you and give you help so maybe if you have a friend who used to work for city council or who works in the clerk office like pool your resources, you know, reach out to those people and ask them for their advice. But I, I would say that you're absolutely right, Courtney, this is vital. I, I really feel like, I feel like it's all hands on deck time. Do you know what I mean? Like, normally I would be like, I get it. Everybody's got a busy life. Like I don't have time to run for school board. I have 5 million projects going on. And all of them are languishing <laughs> because I'm just a, a very unorganized person and I'm still raising a family and I have a full-time job, yeah. but I can't afford not to run. You know, I can't afford that. And politics trickles up. So yeah, yeah you're right. We don't have a lot of power to affect change at the federal level, but what we change here will affect who gets elected at the federal level. When we change the culture here, that will trickle up because then then they're going to figure out how do they come get our votes, yeah. right? How, they, how because and they oh, okay we see these communities are starting to um, really stand up for freedom and parents' rights and so okay I guess we need to change our messaging so we can get their votes. So all of that has consequences, but. I think we've seen in real time, and it's not just with the schools, it's with your businesses, it's with your, your institutions, but the schools have been like ground zero. I think we see how much of our local government affects the cult, our culture, affects what we're doing. Like here in Orange County, during the lockdowns in the beginning, Governor Hairgel was, um, you know, arresting people at the beach, arresting people surfing, you know, yeah. So that, but that, but that's a huge part of our California culture yeah. is to get out to the beach, get a surfboard in the water. That's cultural. And that's what our local government was able to take away from us during the pandemic. And we were nearly helpless. And, and so, yeah, it is important. So my suggestion to you is um, if it's not school board, it doesn't have to be this big high office. You can um, do an online search for what offices are open in your community and pick one and run for it. And maybe it's the library. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be some world changing thing, but what I'm going to give you this advice. Cause, cause I, cause you just left me here in California. Thanks for abandoning me, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was driving an hour and a half to go for a hike, so I didn't get arrested on the mountains, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, it was rough right? out here. Uh, so she abandoned us for greener pastures in Tennessee. But I, um, I get a lot of complaints from my friends that live where you live, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who say these people are coming to coming from California, and they're gonna they're gonna change our cult. Don't come here and vote for your stupid things that that you're you're escaping from. And my response to that is always, they're coming whether you like it or not. And you can't tell them how to vote. So my suggestion is to start shoring up your political institutions where you live now. Get on your city council now. Get on your school board now. Because guess what? These people are coming to live where you live and they're coming with a lot of money. And they're going to be overwhelmed with how affordable life is where you are. And they're going to have a lot of time to lay around and relax. And people like that, what do they want to do? Well, I'm going to serve in government. I love government. So I'm going to go serve, right? They're going to want to start getting in those institutions. So as inconvenient as it is for you, you can't stop these people coming and you can't control how they vote. So you better start getting in these positions before they do. Wow. Yeah, that's a really, really great point. So when you're you're running for school board, what are you kind of alluded to it, but what are some of the really key issues that you think are top priority? This, I mean, without a doubt, key issues for parents in my area right now, mask and vaccine mandates and CRT instruction or curriculum or whatever you want, equity and inclusion, whatever you want to call it. Sure. I mean, it's just like across the board. That's the number one thing I'm hearing. There are other tangential issues like um, LGBT curriculum or, um, you know, some issues that we're having with our transgender laws, stuff like that. I would argue but, they're kind of under the CN- CRT umbrella, but yeah. Parental freedom. Yeah. I think what it, like we want to be able to know what's going on in the schools, as you pointed out at the top of the show we got a real education when we were in zoom school. And so we're like, okay, we want to be a little more involved with this stuff. So, but the masks, the vaccine mandates, which our state is not letting go of, they are holding on tight. So we're going to have vaccine mandates in our schools next year. um, If we don't push this back now. Um, And then God only knows what's going to happen when, the next cold and flu season hits and there's another COVID spike and you know, now they want to go back to sh- shutting us all down. So we just, we need to get our foot in the door yeah, and make sure that that, so I'm running as, as a pro parent, pro student, I think as, as a parent, you have the right to choose for your child, you know, to choose what they put in their bodies. Yeah. You have the right to be informed of their medical decisions at school. You have the right to, to feel safe sending them there and that they're not um, learning things that pit you against them, you know, that make you the enemy. I don't believe any parent or student should be forced to wear a mask or take a vaccine in order to go to school. Absolutely not. No, no, I I couldn't agree more. What do your, um, and you can share as much or as little as you want regarding this or, you know, protect your family, but what do your, uh, kids feel about you doing this have they, have they said anything have they well my son's away at college right. in Chicago so he could care less uh, <laughs> my daughter was a little bit upset at first because she knows that she knows my political job and she's only 14 so I I daren't 
label her political views, but they're, she thinks they're not like mine at this point, you know, at 14. So I think she gets her politics from TikTok, you know, so, (laughs) so she was a little concerned because she, she sees mom as like a political warrior. And and so she's worried that I'm going to go out there and be fiery. And and plus I've been ranting and raving at home for two years. Right. So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she sees angry me <laughs> and she's like mom please don't go out there and like be embarrassing me but um since I first announced she's calmed down and I've explained to her this is not about Fox News this is not about politics this is about you and me and what I what I think is right for you in school and my right to make those decisions for you so I I told her what you and I say all the time I'm a happy warrior. You know, I'm not going in to be anyone's adversary. I'm going in to be an advocate and don't worry. Like I'm not going to embarrass you. Mom knows what she's doing. So she's a little more on board. Yeah. Good. Good. That's great. <laughs> That's so funny. She gets her uh, political views from TikTok. You, you know, what's really interesting about TikTok. So it's Chinese, right? And if you look at, uh, the Chinese videos that get pushed through the algorithms, it's all like science and engineering and, uh, you know, very educational type material. And then, you know, in the U S it's all like twerking, <laughs> twerking. <I> know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you want us to see, <laughs> you know, that's funny, but so, so she feels like her views are not aligned with yours. How, how do you handle that as a parent? Oh, I, well, A, she's young, you know, so sure. but B, yeah. I, I don't like, she's a listener and probably be, she has to be probably because I'm a talker. So, <laughs> um, but uh, I've always expressed to her, like, I don't really care what your political views are. You're going to have to answer all these questions for yourself someday. So that's great. The only thing I ask of you, the only thing we ask of this family is that we never demonize another person for not thinking the way that we think. So even if you disagree with someone about politics, you don't make that person your enemy. You don't make that person a demon. You hear that person out, you respect their opinion, and then you hold fast to what you believe. And if you do that, then no matter what you believe politically, I'm always gonna, you know, support you. That's great. Yeah. So really, the art of, uh, you know, discourse and respecting yes. independent thought, right? Yeah. 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 So I think that's the only way to go. I don't think I can force my kids to think they're they're their own people. Crazy enough, it's annoying, but they are. <laughs> so I think the best you can do is just offer them a safe space to talk to you about things. So don't criticize their ideas. Mm-hmm. Like I always ask questions. Well, why would you think this? Why do you think that? Um, Make them they're different. trying to work it out. Yeah. That's right. They're trying to work it out. Let them work it out. Don't feel like you've lost everything because your 13 year old thinks that you should vote for Hillary Clinton. You know, that's she's 13. She doesn't have any life experience. Some things may come along and change that. So just explain yourself and, and, and leave yourself open to, um, you know, that, that, that she may disagree with you and, and let her know that that's okay. Sometimes I think our kids are challenging us, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're pushing their boundaries and they want to see how mad they're going to make us. So don't, don't go there. <laughs> right. Right. 
Um, so I want to ask you about conservatives running because I think that you know the left knows this game really, really well, and you know typically conservatives don't want to get involved in politics because they're busy living their lives. They're you know. Um, and they don't like government typically, you know, so they don't want to be involved in it and they don't want to be around others who want to be involved in it. So what are some things you see as uh, big mistakes that conservatives make when they do go into politics, whether it be, you know, on any level? Um, I think maybe one big mistake that we make is that politics is as fiery as um, punditry or discourse. So politics is meant to bring down the heat of conversations, which is why sometimes you feel like, why aren't these people listening? Because they're not getting heated. They're not getting excited. And it's meant to bring that down, right? Our representation, our, our, our rep um, representative republic is designed so that we have these arguments through politics and voting, not with each other, through fists. So it's supposed to be that way. And I think a lot of conservatives think because they're angry, you know, and I get that, that they got to go in guns a blazing, but you have to understand that the way that the anger you feel towards those other voters who are voting against your interests, that's how they feel about you. You know, that the, they, you got to look at both sides of that equation, fair or not, that's how they look at you. So I, I believe that more politicians need to persuade. You already know who is your base, right? I already know the parents that agree with me, but, but I want to talk to the parents that don't agree with me. And I want to give them good reasons to agree with me. I'm not, I don't want to pander and I don't want to lie about who I am and what I believe. I think what I believe is right. So let me convince you, you know, to think like me, let me tell you why I think I'm right. And why, even if you disagree with my politics, that voting for me is going to protect you because I'm always going to fall down on the side of freedom. So that means when the people you don't like get into office, you don't have to freak out. You don't have to spend four years, you know, um, digging a, a, a foxhole because you just can't believe that so-and-so won the election. You can be, you could feel safe knowing, well, I don't agree with this person's politics, but I do know that she's always going to vote for my right to choose what's right for myself. And I just, I think that should be a comfort for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I think make your case, make your case to the, not just the people who think like you, but make your case to the people who don't and don't go in judging them. Like let them surprise you. I think you'd be surprised at how willing a lot of people are to, to, to converse. It's just the loud, the squeaky wheel, you know? Right, right. I, I love that. So really make it about the art of persuasion, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, and again, just like you do with your kids about defending your position, you know? Yeah. By you, <laughs> right? And that's what I do on my podcast every week, right? That's that's the, the which is, by the way, just listen to yourself with Kira Davis. And you can find that wherever you find your podcast. But that's, that is a critical thinking podcast. And it's not fancy. It's me looking at something and going, you know what, you guys, this is what I think of it. And here are the, the reasons why I do think this way. And here are some of the talking points on the other side of this issue. And let's break them down together and see if they make sense once we're digging in. And 
you know, sometimes I've changed my mind on things by doing that. And, and sometimes I've just felt more secure in what I believe, but I just think that is the way to go. We're going to have to, we can, the progressive left is doing a really great job of explaining to the American people why all of their policies suck and create misery for everyone. I mean, they're doing a fantastic job. We don't have to do that job. Let them do it on their own. They're doing it for free. Um, so our job should be to explain why this, this alternative approach to government and community is actually best for everyone if we can apply it um, fairly. Right, right. I love that. Well, I know you are super, super busy. So I will take more of your time. Just if you have anything else you want to impart and uh, definitely tell everybody where to find you and how they can support you and support your run. Thank you so much. Um, I am about to run out of juice so quickly on this computer. So quickly go to kiraforschoolboard.org. You can support me there. Money is going to be the key. I'm aiming to raise $100,000 for this race. That's a lot of money, but that's what the unions are going to pour in to fight. So uh, you can donate from out of state um, and then find my podcast, Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis, wherever you find your podcasts and follow me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis. Thank you, Courtney, so much for giving me this opportunity. Thank you. Yes, I'm rooting for you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.